This is Monday Morning Meditations number 102 on the Rising Man podcast with Jetty Azuma. The decisions we make in life echo into eternity. Good morning, my people. Jetty here. And I am tuning up the mic couple weeks into one of the most challenging times that I think we've ever faced in my lifetime here in the United States. We've been through many. I remember 9-11. I remember exactly where I was. Freshman geometry class, Don Bosco Prep High School. And in many ways, this feels similar to that time where I can tell I'll already never forget where I was when George Floyd was murdered and so many things changed. And as I'm recording this episode, we're a little less than two weeks into these protests and rallies asking for change, asking for reform, asking for awareness, for listening. And just like many of you, I'm sure I've I've been very confused. I've been very unsure of what to think during this time. And for me, I think it's a great time. I think it's a great time for all of us to be honest, to humble ourselves, to admit to where we don't know and be willing to listen to others who know more than we do. You see, I believe that leadership is something that everybody's capable of and that we all have our own roles and perspectives that help steer this ship of humanity. And so all I have to say for this Monday morning meditation episode is an invitation and ask a request for all of us to lean in and listen a little bit deeper, to lead from wherever we know how, and to consider that we may not have every answer. I know I don't. I know that I've learned a lot this week. I've had to admit some very uncomfortable things about myself and have some uncomfortable conversations with people that I love because it felt like the right thing to do. I know that this is more about the loss of just one life. This is more about generational change that we're asking for here, that we're working towards. And I'm a stand for that. Personally, I'm a stand for a better future, a better world that's more inclusive, that's more tolerant, that's more loving and open and kind for all people. Because that's the kind of world that I want to give to my kids. And so without further ado, all I ask is that you open your hearts and open your minds Open your willingness to be taught something, to learn something new about yourself, about the way the world is, perhaps to look at things from a different perspective that may shine some light to how you can use your own role and position to lead powerfully into this brave new world that we're creating right now. It's also a very exciting time, very exciting time to be alive, although I wish the consequences or the circumstances were different, but maybe that's the way it's meant to be. So... Without further ado, today's Monday morning meditation is a time to listen, a time to lead. Let me start off by saying that I am just as confused as most of us out there right now. Right now, we are living in unprecedented times. 
we're reliving a history that's been going on for four centuries here in America, but we're living in a time that we've never seen before. You see, nowadays we've got smartphones. Everybody is literally walking around as a reporter, an independent private reporter right now. And the images and visuals of brutality and oppression can't be denied anymore. But I'm just as confused. I've got more questions now than answers. Two weeks ago, before the killing of George Floyd happened and the other recent killings of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, I thought I knew what was going on in my life and in the world. But I've got more questions now than I ever have before. And the first thing I want to say is that the most important thing right now is to be listening deeply, listening deeply to the grief, to the sadness, to the despair that so many of our citizens here in this country and all over the world, truthfully, are feeling right now by what we're seeing on TV, by what we're hearing or not hearing from our leaders. It really pains me on a deep level. It hurts. And what hurts most of all is that I feel like I've been contributing to the problem more than I'd like to admit. You see, I grew up in middle-class suburbia outside of New York City, small, safe little neighborhood, mostly Christian folks. I went to a private high school. I went to private college. I, I, I worked my way hard through school, through athletics and everything that I did, but I also recognized that I had opportunities that a lot of people in this country don't have. And yes, I am mixed race. I, my father's Japanese, my mother's Italian both of which were raised here in this country. But I still have a lot of opportunities that my brothers and sisters here in this country don't. And what I've had to face off with this week is that despite the fact that I've got a lot of friends who are of color, I've got a lot of black friends, I've got a lot of Latino friends, I have a lot of Asian American friends, I got a lot of white friends, a lot of people who I'm close with and not just friends, like really family to me. People that I've known for decades now who I've never really, really taken the time to understand what their experience of life in this country is like. I minored in social justice in college. I went on social justice trips every single year, every year of college that I was there. I did a civil rights tour my freshman year of college with the Martin Luther King Jr. Scholars in, at Ithaca College. And I witnessed a lot of the stuff that historically has happened. I, I feel like I've got a way more thorough education than most people in this country have. And still, this week, in just the past 72 hours, I've had to face off with my own ignorance, my own lack of listening and understanding, my own lack of empathy. My best friend on this planet is black. He's black and Latino. And only once in the 16 years that I've known this man have I ever seen or asked him about his experience as a black man and the experiences he has of feeling profiled, of feeling oppressed, feeling prejudice against him. And this week I've had conversations with him and he's expressed to me that it's, it's, it's a daily occurrence. It's so frequent that it becomes the norm for him and a lot of other black folks in this country. And although I believe conceptually it shouldn't be as shocking to me as it is, I've been living in a completely different reality. And I think that's what's happening right now is that so many of us 
even if you're not black right now, so many of us are realizing how much we've been missing and feeling guilty and ashamed of that. Like, what did I, what did I miss? The things that we've said when we, when we've used words that were inappropriate, when we've said things that were out of context, out of character, but also inappropriate and unrepresentative of, of how we really want to express ourselves. All of those are examples of this institutionalized racism that has been woven into the fabric of this country ever since it was created. It was literally founded upon these basic principles of one group is better than another. And right now, it's the black community, the black community that's been fighting for equal rights, equal treatment from authority figures. I mean, to me, this, these should be basic established rights that every citizen in this country should have. But the reality is that that's just not the way it is. If you look at the facts, if you look at the, 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 the hardcore facts that we, can, that we can see, who are the people that receive certain types of treatment from authority figures here in this country? Police officers against civilians. What are, what are the rates of encounters that result in death, maiming, irreversible injury? It's tragic. It's astonishing. It's alarming. And all I can really bring myself to do right now, recognizing that I have my own ignorances that I've got to face off with and overcome, it's not comfortable. It was really hard to have that conversation with my best friend this week and to say to him, hey man, I'm sorry that I missed this all along. That's not the type of friend, not the type of brother that I want to be to you. And all I can say is that from this point forward, I'm committed to understanding, to listening better, to reading in between the lines because a lot of our, our neighbors out there from the black community haven't been able to say anything about this just because it's, it's fallen on deaf ears. We've accepted it as part of this country, as this society, as, as the culture that we have here. And I don't have answers. I, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm in a position to tell people how they ought to feel. In fact, I know I'm not in a position to do that. I don't think any of us are. In fact, I think the best thing that we can do is to just simply listen. To listen and to commit to understanding more completely what people are experiencing on all sides of the spectrum. Because yes, right now, this conversation is about the black community and how they're feeling. How these folks, these folks that we spend our, spend our lives interacting with all the time, how are they feeling right now? How are police officers feeling right now? Because let's not forget that there's a community that's being oppressed, but there's also a community that's being put with their backs against the ropes. I don't excuse and I will not overlook the actions that our police are taking against our, our civilians that they're here to protect. But it's got to be some function of the system, some function of the way that officers are being trained, prepared. I mean, I woke up this morning and I saw a video of a police officer pushing a 75-year-old man, causing him to fall and hit his head and bleed. If you just remove the context of that situation. Nobody in this country can look at an elderly man, 75 years old, clearly physically impaired and see him as a threat. But there's something about their training. There's something about the mindset. There's got to be some level of fear that's being generated in, in these officers to do stuff like this. I mean, come on. 
But my opinion is that there's no way that we can point the finger at any one person or any one group of people. It goes way deeper than that. Depth, in, deep, deeper into depths that I don't understand, I can't even comprehend right now. And for any of us to pretend like we really do is a disservice to the people all over this country. So my invitation right now, the opportunity that we have right now to, to be allies in equal rights, to really abide by what this, this country and this constitution was created upon, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness for all people, regardless of race, regardless of color, regardless of creed, if we really want to be that example for the rest of the world, because the rest of the world is watching right now. And more importantly, our own children are watching in our communities. How are we responding? We get to listen. We get to understand. We get to do our best to appreciate the circumstances and the reality for the people that we call neighbors, the people that we call friends, coworkers, brothers, sisters. I don't know about you or anyone else, but I don't want to raise my kids in a world where they have to walk out their door and not know if they or their friends or their loved ones are going to be safe. I don't want that for anybody's family. I don't believe that we need to live in a society where people need to be on guard all the time, where people need to be afraid of what other people think about them or be afraid of being profiled or judged before they even open their mouth or express themselves. And I also don't think that sustained anger and violence is a solution to anything, but I also recognize that I'm not one to say how people ought to express themselves or how they ought to feel. All I'm committing to you right now is to listen, to stay in my lane, to be ready when men come asking for a space where they can confide in other men, to be supported, to be lifted up, to be seen in their pain and their grief and their sorrow, because I know the healing power of that. That's what the rising man is founded upon. Those healing powers of circles of men returning back to those ways so that we can advance ourselves forward as a race, as a society, as a people so that we can create and inspire men to lead the next generation. This week, this week, it's about expression. Right now, it's about grief. It's about experiencing sadness and the full spectrum of emotions that so many people have not felt safe enough to express for a long time. And my prayers and my intentions are that people will find a way to express themselves in healthier and healthier ways, ways that keep themselves and others safe from harm that we can actually be the people we know we can be, that we can show whoever it is out there or whichever group of people it is that wants it to be this way, that we can be better by showing them that we've got more. We can be who they're not. Let's be those people. Let's show our children, let's show ourselves that we're capable of living our lives in a higher vibration, from a higher state of consciousness, a higher state of attention and awareness, not just for ourselves, but for everyone around us. I know we can do this. I believe in it. I believe in it so deeply. Over 50 years ago, the civil rights movement happened and there were hordes of people that swarmed into the streets because they were not going to stand for injustices of this magnitude any longer. And I'm so grateful that our ancestors and our, and our relatives of a, of a past time got us this far, but now it's our time. It's our time to do our role in this fight, in this battle. 
We've got this opportunity right now to make an impression on the next generation and show them what lengths we're willing to go to to create a better world for all people. Peace, love, and blessings to all you out there, fam. All right, family, I hope that this episode was healing and therapeutic and helpful for all of you listening out there. For everything Rising Man related, to become a bigger part of what we're doing here with the Rising Man movement, to support this message, head over to risingman.org. You can head over there and sign up to be a part of our virtual men's fire circles or apply to be a part of our next Compass Initiation crew that's going to be rolling out in the fall. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us. Go check out our YouTube channel and subscribe, youtube.com slash the rising man movement and leave us a rating, leave us some comments. Let us know what's landing for you every time you listen. Big ups to my rising man power team, Sean, Mark, Julian, Rowan, and Ryan. Appreciate you guys every step of the way, especially during times like these, because ain't no way that I could make this happen without you, without the support of everybody who's been helping to lift up the rising man banner over these past two years that we've been doing this. So thank you, fellas, for what you do. And thank you, the listener, whoever's out there listening right now. Thank you for everything you've done to support this mission that we have here at The Rising Man. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.